How does ad tech and podcasting compare to ad tech and other ad tech-led industries? And what can we learn from it? That's what we're talking about on this week's episode of Sounds Profitable, Ad Tech Applied, with me, Brian Barletta. And me, Arielle Nissenblatt. Thanks to this month's sponsor, Claritas. As a third-party provider, Claritas's white glove service offers the science and proven methodology for accurate, transparent, and scalable podcast campaign measurement. Find out more at claritas.com. Special thanks to our sponsors for making Sounds Profitable possible. Check them out by going to soundsprofitable.com and clicking on their logos in the articles. Hey, Brian, how are you? What have you been listening to lately? Oh, man, I can actually say that I have uh, taken a pause from my current binge uh, that will not be named for the time being. Uh, And I, yep, Sierra, my wife has told me I say it too many times and need to really get past it. Uh, And I actually listened to a little bit this morning of the Squirrel Girl radio show uh, that was the Marvel and SXM media project that just came out. And uh, it's fun. And for folks who don't know what Brian was covertly referring to, you can listen back to our previous episodes. That's just going to be our plug for prior episodes. <laughs> Nothing about ad tech, just to find out what inside joke we're talking about. <laughs> there we go. And what about you? What are you on to now? I have been re-listening to old episodes of Love and Radio, which is okay. one of the most consistently recommended podcasts throughout the years at Earbuds. We did a five-year data dump for Earbuds Podcast Collective, which is my weekly newsletter. And we found that Love and Radio popped up more times than any other podcast. And it's just such a consistently great show. So big recommend. They're still putting out new episodes. It's been going on for a long time. I'm listening to an episode right now called The Episode About Animals. And it's just little vignettes of animal stories. And yeah, I, I very much would implore folks to listen if you love animals. (laughs) That's awesome. I'll have to check it out. All right. So, Brian, in just a moment, we're going to hit play on a conversation between you and Connor McKenna, who is a director at Luma Partners. For some context, Luma Partners is a strategic advisory firm with a focus on digital marketing. How did you get in touch with Connor and what was it about his work that made you want to talk to him about the podcast space? Yeah, so Luma is very well known uh, for their LumaScapes, so their uh, holistic views of an entire marketplace. They have one for audio, and when I kicked off with Sounds Profitable, Connor had reached out uh, to talk about the audio one and talk about the space in general. And it was very cool to see an outside organization really trying to map audio, and it actually led to what uh, we partnered with Magellan on to do the Podscape version because we wanted a little bit more narrow view. So Connor and I have been talking on and off since I started Sounds Profitable. He has some really great insights. And I honestly really enjoy that we disagree on a bunch of things uh, because while I do have outside experience from the podcast industry and, and ad tech in general, some of it's a little stale. I'm happy to admit that. I mean, it has been mostly heads down podcasting for a while. So it is very fun to talk to someone who has got uh, you know his finger on the pulse a little bit more and make sure that we're all aware of the things that he sees on a day-to-day basis. There was definitely some disagreement. This is a a bit of a spicier episode than normal. (laughs) But it's good, right? It's it's good. I I think that Sounds Profitable needs to be challenged. I think it's very cool what we've been able to create and the opinions that I can bring to the table or the people that I can highlight. But I'm just as happy to bring people up that have a different point of view and really back it up. And I think Connor does a killer job at that. I think 
that's what we need more of, right? It's it's educated disagreements. It's backed up disagreements. It's motivated, right? Yep. Because Connor wants to see the space grow as much as I do. We just have different thoughts on how we get there and we have, you know, uh, different experiences. With that, let's get to your chat with Connor McKenna from Luma Partners. So how does podcasting compare to other industries that Luma is a part of? Yeah, so at Luma, we really are, we sort of define our sector focus as the intersection of media, marketing, and technology. That's uh, largely ad tech, marketing technology, and, and digital content. And, you know, podcasting in that respect is a, certainly it's digital content and uh, and advertising is the primary form of, of uh, monetization. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's where we certainly come at it from. Why are we interested in it is uh, a little bit of pattern matching recognition of of where what's worked in prior industries and why podcasting is you know sort of set up to have a, a huge ad spend, which frankly it doesn't have today. Um, so we've the, our firm was founded you know about twelve years ago. So as programmatic advertising open web started to uh, really take hold, and uh, programmatic advertising open web is is not that dissimilar from. Uh, podcasting in the sense that it's pretty easy and cheap to create content. And so content and publishers are very widespread. Uh, there is starting to be lots of demand from advertisers and, and digital, it's been a little longer. So there's been long time demand to, to spend. Consumers are obviously using it. Uh, and then automation is getting going. And what we've seen in, in that ecosystem uh, and now into others is there tend to be a couple things that drive ad spend to start to accelerate. Um, and they don't necessarily have to go in any order, but they sort of all three need to be there. And that is buy-in from demand, which is buyers want to reach the audience, which is generally driven just by there being an audience. Yeah. The the next is buying from suppliers to uh, you know set up their ecosystem in a way that demand can buy the way they want to. Um, and then finally, a lot of this, especially as you get towards like programmatic or how does it really scale quickly, is tied towards getting technology in the right hands, right? There can be technology out there, but if it's not easily accessible for the buyers or people don't have a large enough platform, you can't get the flywheel uh, going. And, you know, in programmatic advertising, that really happened when Google acquired DoubleClick. So that was about uh, 2010 or so. Um, or sorry, that was 2007. Then they acquired uh, you know, an SSP and a DSP around 2010, 2011. And that's where things started to really accelerate. So you didn't just have willing buyers and sellers wanting to advertise. You then had technology that wasn't a huge platform to, to get things out there. We've seen this also in, in the convergent TV or CTV ecosystem. Uh, you know, there had been publishers trying to push people there. There was a lot of SVOD capabilities there, which we you know, mostly use on, on streaming. Now there is uh, a lot more consumers using advertising supported, which means marketers are wanting to come to that channel, which is creating more technology and technology starting to get in the right hands. Podcasting is very similar. I mean, in all these cases, I'd say the underlying theme is like follow the consumer. Yeah. Right? And, and uh, you know, if you look at the, um, you know, the Triton and Edison reports every year, like it's very clear consumers are spending time on podcasting. And we have started to see even technology get in the right hands, right? The biggest platforms, Spotify, you know, iHeart, Amazon, et cetera, have started to acquire some technology in that, which is a good thing for the industry writ large, right? Yeah. That is like, you need that to, to sort of start to rise all boats. 
But podcasting is still a challenging dynamic. I think you've got enterprise publishers and then you have a ton and a ton and a ton of long tail publishers. And unlike the open web, where it was very simple to, you know, drop in a cookie, which has its own massive flaws, and we are seeing those start to play out now as they're going away, it's much harder to make podcast advertising addressable easily, right? And easily get into an ad network or a programmatic platform, et cetera. And so it's taken a longer time to get there. And and we're sort of in that early stage of building technology that's not just trying to repurpose technology that's built for another channel, but tech that's built for this channel, works for this channel, has a good consumer experience, and uh, is the that sort of point where the ad spend can catch up to the consumer spend. Because I think time spent is there, right? It's it's really the you know the user experience addressability and to get the uh, the ad spend to catch up to it. Yeah, and you said I mean there's a lot to unpack there, and I, I think we'll probably have you back on for more of it in the future. But specifically here, you, you highlighted programmatic, and I think a lot of people in podcasting are nervous about programmatic because in podcasting there's no visual cue to say this is an ad versus this is a content. So it's all content when it gets to the listener, making sure that the mm-hmm. audio matches, making sure it's contextually relevant, making sure the targeting uh, is not uh, too aggressive are all things that can slow people down for that. When you say programmatic, we're not necessarily talking about open marketplaces, putting the inventory up there with minimal controls and anyone can buy anything, right? We're talking about just the automation of flow that a buyer in their home turf of a DSP can initiate deals, some that are open, but just as many that are pre-configured and there's less interaction required to get something off the ground. Is that accurate? Or do you do you mean like open marketplace is really what's going to kick it off? There's probably will be both, right? But I, I, I largely mean the automation of advertising workflow. The open web was created in programmatic was originally called yeah. real time bidding, right? Because that's what it was. You, you were bidding on that on that uh, time frame. That's not how better publishers want to work. That's not how better uh, advertisers want to work. It's actually, it creates a pretty bad ecosystem for publishers. It's a pretty double-edged sword. Like, yes, you fill remnant inventory, but it's very hard to differentiate on premium content, right? Once you're only buying on trackers and cookies, the content doesn't matter that much anymore. And so if you're the New York Times or you're, you know, Connor McKenna in your basement, like it doesn't make a huge difference. It's as long if you get the tracker. So and, and bidding real time. So there's definitely protections against wanting to do that. Um, I think of the term of programmatic has, has really expanded well beyond that. I mean, if you look in the, the TV ecosystem has been very careful about this. That's the last thing they ever wanted to do is be real time yes. bidded because it costs so much money and it's so hard to make TV quality content that you want to be able to differentiate on the quality of the content and consumers coming to you specifically for that. Which is why you've seen a lot of shift towards things called private yep. marketplaces and, and, and things of that nature. The difference is what you don't want to be doing is picking up a phone call, swapping Excel yes. back and forth, like leverage software to take over the workflow solutions, make it easier, uh, set up rules that, that allow people to come to you without you having to have a massive staff of, of managing inbound yeah. from different advertisers. That's the goal of programmatic in this. Um, and certainly the way way we'd view it. Yeah, I, I like to throw the law ball like that because programmatic for people outside of podcasting really means a way to initiate deals on pre 
negotiated terms, right? Like me and you could have, yeah. like you could say, here's my inventory, here's what you get access to, here's the pricing for it, and here are the rules of content that we go on there. I sign that agreement and then I am open to honor those rules and buy into it whenever you make a request. What I send there is between us, we've already made that agreement, but that can be premium inventory. Right. And I think for podcasting, one of the things that we always jump over because there isn't really a way to do it today in other mediums is that programmatic doesn't mean host read. I think it would be a massive challenge for programmatic to encompass host read. But I think that if any industry could try it, I think podcasting could do it because what you're really talking about here, like you said, it's less phone calls, less emails, less Excel spreadsheets. It's saying you have the rights to do this. Your creative can be this. This is the pricing. And if you respond, it better honor all of that based on our contract. Yeah. The other aspect of host red is um, host red is just ad creative, right? Yes. So um, in the end, and and you're finding more and more in podcasting, at least, uh, you know, personally listen to like, there's still a, a cut away to a host red. It's not as if it's they're doing it live while the guest is listening, in which case, you can still optimize for who of your audience is listening to that because a podcast or a marketer may want to optimize for a certain type of customer or a certain amount of frequency. And if you can stitch in your host red shirts, sure, it's not as scalable as completely open, but it's still scalable. Exactly. Um, and yeah. then you can fill in the remnant inventory with, with other platforms that maybe aren't host red, right? It can be a mix of both. So there's still stitching and automation that uh, in theory can be possible. Uh, I think that the other big challenge to podcasting is the infrastructure is sort of different, right? It's built, it was built originally on RSS feeds that have not allowed as much capabilities along those lines. As you get into streaming, it becomes, you know, there's a lot more flexibility to do things with a stream of how you're going to manage um, ad slots and, and uh, putting stuff in. The challenge there is streaming tends to be managed by different platforms um, that are very aggregator to, to controlled. Take their, <laughs> yeah. yeah, take their share of it. So. so I don't want to put you on the spot and say which way you think podcasting will go to survive. But do you think that it is possible in the open RSS framework for podcasting to grow in this method? Right. Like, let's say we do a better job and we really stop making excuses for the download, but simply stand strongly behind the value of a download as an industry. And we continue to show research and support for the success of it. And we do build programmatic as an operational path to be a stronger and more accessible way of going about things. Do we as an industry need to concede to a more closed aggregator solution to survive and grow? Or can we, like, is it possible for us to stay open in your view? Things are shifting sort of broadly speaking in, in advertising technology. And uh, I think the fear that everyone has is you don't wanna become, befall in a world where you're landing on Facebook and Google again, the wall gardens, right? Yep. And you've got valuable content, you wanna be able to sell it, you wanna be able to control it. And certainly on Facebook, you've seen what happened to publishers, right? There are a lot of publishers, I call it like that whole digital 2.0 phase where scale was the biggest, the most important thing. The challenge was that scale was built on Facebook, right? So it was rented users. It wasn't actual customers. Yeah. And then Facebook changes an algorithm and, you know, you can, you can fall off the map quick. And there's, I mean, there were companies that did $40 million of, of net income, and then they, you know, crashed in a, you know, a matter of a couple of months on those situations. So you definitely want to, to avoid that. 
But that's been in the light, right? That was the first time that had happened, uh, at least in the digital uh, era. You know, we're, we're sort of saying the open web is now, it used to be wall gardens and open web, and now they're sort of wall gardens, open web, and in the middle is hedge gardens. And this is where you're seeing a lot more focus on first party data and, and all, uh, you know, those types of things, sort of owning your c- customer, but opening up data so that you can create more automation, more targeting, et cetera, while protecting some, you know, privacy and leveraging the, the data that's yours to your benefit. I don't have an exact application of that towards podcasting today, but like that general view of the world is shifting where I think there's going to be a lot more protection and get falling into another wall garden. So I think yeah. broadly speaking, trends are moving away from that being a concern. I think the challenge isn't with, is it open or is it closed a little bit with like the architecture of RSS feeds and is there another platform or another medium to do it that is more open or, or better way to serve it to customers, you know, that's ultimately the goal. So it's, it's I think, the, like, if you're going to say stick to the RSS feeds, stick to downloads, we're never going to change. Someone's going to change, someone's going to be opportunistic and you don't want to be left sitting behind because even today, the podcasting audio or podcast and advertising experience isn't that much different than radio, right? There's a lot of direct response. It may be host read. It may be sponsorships. It may be not. There's nothing too unique to it. We're early days in, you know, voice technology and more audio technology and, and better uh, automation here that someone's going to figure out applications of ad spend that is more unique to this medium. I mean, it happened yeah. in Facebook with native advertising. It happened in, uh, Mobile apps broadly, which are very focused on, uh, you know, sort of pushing consumers to another app to download or to re-engage and and sort of create its own ecosystem. And so audio hasn't, you know, hasn't done a ton of that yet. We're only at the cusp of where you could interact with potential audio ads. So the whole thing there for me is that that has to be siloed to happen because the RSS framework is ingested and used by too many aggregators and none of the aggregators are going to agree on next step forwards that benefit the entire industry. They're going to do proprietary things. It's a great example because Spotify is so focused on advertising. I truly believe Spotify has done such a killer job at selling audio advertising that they are not podcast advertising or music advertising or anything anymore. They're their own channel, right? When you think of audio advertising, we have radio, streaming audio, streaming music, podcasting, and then Spotify. They won. Give them their own category within the entire audio bucket. I don't think podcasting can advance technology-wise to compete with what an aggregate like a, a new aggregator will do a new walled garden. But I think you're right that the appetite for walled gardens has decreased. So they'll get a little bit of the budget and they might get a little of everybody's budget. But in the same way that podcasting primarily isn't arguing with people about moving all their radio spend over into podcasting, they're not going to fight with people who want to spend 10% of a campaign on Spotify or whatever the next aggregator is. I think that podcasting as a tech platform, you're right that the programmatic part, the automation, the ease of purchasing needs to get better. But I think the biggest failure is this belief that download isn't an accurate enough measure. When people buy just fine on radio, terrestrial TV before some of the panel-based tracking really took off, right? But you're, and, but you're not factoring in inertia there, which is like, you know, the most powerful <laughs> uh, force in it. Like, you know, I agree that it's not any worse than that, but it's a new medium, right? So you're not going to drive yeah. someone over for uh, for something that's just as good. 
I think the other aspect of programmatic that's in all of this, um, which is just a broader shift to where marketing and advertising is going is performance, right? Which is if sophisticated marketers want to be able to better show the results of their ad spend. So move away from the, you know, 50% of my advertising is good. I just don't know which half and move towards, okay, if I spend X, I'm expecting to get some sort of return on it in some sort of performance metric. And that can be brand metrics. That can be down to, okay, I spent X and I got this many, uh, you know, sales on the, the back end. And then I'll, what's great about those types of purchases is that you spend to the efficient frontier. Once you've determined if I spend X, I'm going to get Y, you're going to spend that amount until your margin, you know, makes sense. Facebook had sort of cracked that. Uh, they're struggling with that right now with their changes around uh, data identifiers the cost for brands to get a new customer by advertising on Facebook has gone up four to five times. But that means they can still measure it, right? That is the sort of measure that is is needed. And sure, a download can be a good proxy for that, but there needs to be better attribution technology that's showing what that did. And it's probably not just research. It probably needs to be a little bit more real time, can you measure the impact of if I, you know, advertise X amount on podcasts, what am I getting out of it? And that's technology that's being developed sort of omni-channel. I mean, it's a challenge in digital, it's a challenge in TV, it's a challenge across the board um, and sort of the holy grail of what people are trying to solve for. If you say, you know, well, we're sticking with a download and that's going to be it and, and, you know, that's what you have to use, I think that's a tough place to be and, and, there will be people that are going to be opportunistic and try to move beyond it. If it's a, look, this is what we have now. Let's all continue to be thinking about ways to better open up access to data or show, you know, uh, what we're getting from a download or, you know, people clicking through. Obviously, there are lots of, um, you know, direct response calls in podcasting already. So those are pretty performance centric. Um, but that sort of outflow of data from consumers listening to uh to a medium, I, I think is is important, and you know, again, streaming has some aspects of that. Or if there's ways to link off of it, and and it's it's a tough one where podcasters, right, the publishers aren't directly tied to their consumers. They're going through some sort of listening app for the most yeah. part, and that's not going to change. So I just don't think they'll get any closer, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that, like you said, the people that will be opportunistic on these will be silos, and I think the taste of advertisers on silos is pretty tarnished. But like you're, you talk about Facebook and being able to put in a certain amount of money and get a multiple back in return, what open advertising ecosystem enables that like in open web in standard display programmatic does that still exist as well as it does in facebook no which is why facebook gets a premium yeah but that's the siloed approach and this is what i mean podcasting can be the comparable part of audio as open web right? oh yeah, yeah. it's I close totally, to having to get there totally agree with that yeah and then the streaming silos will exist right spotify making their own solution that takes the podcast content and what people like about podcasts augments it into that digital approach will be attractive and there'll be more of those there's no reason why google and amazon won't step into it google with how they're moving with youtube amazon with their amazing amount of data and not talking nearly enough about podcasting while they loop everything else together it's coming but what yep. i think is really neat about that and it's the same thing in facebook too is that that silo works and then you can take it and extrapolate the research you do from that silo to the open space, to open programmatic, to open podcast advertising. 
And I think me and you are kind of getting at the same thing here, that uh, the death of podcasting is the belief that you can just do open RSS podcasting. We are content creators in this industry. Our format is audio. The belief that you can only be available in RSS only for open aggregators, only focusing on the download is the only way you sell is not how this industry grows or not how companies succeed. However, we are going to need to play the silo game. A big portion of everybody will be that open, but will you also sell directly through Spotify or collaborate with them or Amazon or YouTube as they dig into that? Will you try other streaming platforms? Will you try other mediums as they pop up? What won't you say yes to if your format can be represented there and you can take their more accurate silo data and apply it to your open results? Yeah, I, I think I would agree uh, largely with, with all of that um, and agree like there's still going to be a big ecosystem in the, you know, call it the open web and then in the open podcasting space uh, for sure. And just by nature of where consumers are listening, right? That's the goal. I think the nuances though is that no one in open web would say cookies are great <laughs> right yeah and let's rely on that there have been that's been the you know the the almost decade i've been in this space um has been a driver and there's been incremental change all along the way that has improved it and worked out better for uh driving you know better demand better advertising spend more advertising spend obviously we've seen digital ad spend continue to go up both in the open web um, and in those those well gardens, so I would say there's still that that you have to be driving it it forward no matter what. Yeah, sorry, I I agree with you. The download is all we have today. We should be thinking about more, but I don't think we should dismiss the download. Right. Yes. Yeah. Use what you have and, and innovate yeah. for the future. Yeah. The innovation's going to be hard when you have multiple different people who are trying to build a silo and may not want to give you more back. All it takes though is one to challenge it. If any one of those, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, decide to give podcasters just a little bit more data as an aggregator, gets us the next step past download to more accurate user count that can be matched to your hosting data, it sets a waterfall that the other partners will have to participate in or pull out of true app podcast advertising, true podcast openness and be a, a full on silo that doesn't participate in our ecosystem. That's kind of the dam I think that has to break. But yeah, I, this has been a, a killer conversation. I mean, I think seeing the the key thing here is automation and always challenging for more is really where I think we both align here on it. I would say one, one other thing uh, that I wanted to mention, and, and as you just brought up on, you know, one of those platforms giving you more data, I, there's certainly a an opportunity in a play that someone could have to go that route and, and take like an Apple who's at least claims that they are, you know, aren't an advertising company, although some of the stuff they've done in the mobile apps recently, you could argue against that. But because of that, I think the other thing to keep in mind from a publisher perspective, and this is where people struggled in digital media, is that reliance on you're touching your consumers in just that single channel, right? At this point, like if you're a podcaster, you are a brand, you should you have an Instagram, yep. you have a TikTok, you have other ways to touch your consumers. You have newsletters, like there's ways to reach your consumers and at least get the core down where there are other ways to meet you. And what's important there is what you're doing is you're building brand and the importance of brand for a, 
uh, a content creator is, I think, more important than ever before. And it gives you so many more options. If you own your brand and you get yeah. consumers who are coming to see you, not coming because they looked up, you know, podcast conversation and found this conversation, like you might get a single listener and, and that's impressions. And that's what people used to get in digital advertising. And then they were very susceptible to changes in programmatic, changes in platform algorithms, et cetera. If you have built a consumer base and really focus on building your brand, then you can go to Spotify and your people will come with yes. you, right? You can go yes. to Apple and you can come, people will come with you and you can monetize them, not just via podcasting, but you monetize, that might be the start of your flywheel. And then you monetize in many other ways. Yep. And, and I just think that part, even as you get into like, we're not talking about web theory and I don't want to go any further than this, but nope. as you think about those <laughs> types of things, like yeah. that concept becomes that much more important. Every single person who realizes that they're a content creator and multi-channel will succeed far more than the rare few who can narrowly just be podcasting, Yeah, right? That's, that I completely agree with you. It may be your flagship channel, but it can't be your only channel. And if your goal is to grow your brand and your reach and your revenue, you have to be open to every variation with every siloed partner and every growth potential. Would agree. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, man. Absolutely, this was fun. Okay. Great conversation. I would love to share some takeaways with you. Are you ready? I am. First up, we are still in the early days of building technology specifically for podcasts. For example, not adapting technology made for other media. What is an example of that and how do you see that progressing? Yeah, I think programmatic's a great example right now. Um, so much of programmatic is built on real-time responses. For you to to bid live on a campaign, which the focus of programmatic is a lot of requests come in, you bid on just the ones you want, uh, and you know immediately so that you can pace the campaign and continue buying. Podcasting has a little bit of delay with that. You know, it could be minutes, it could be up to an hour, really depends. The framework isn't as clear as it can be in other spaces. So while programmatic can work, and we are adapting that from another space, there's some concessions on how it works in podcasting that we have to be aware of, uh, and that the greater industry of advertising needs to be aware of too. And you recently had a conversation with Sean from Flight Path about building technology specifically for the podcast space. How does that tie in here? So much of podcasting is built off of things that did work and allowed people to move forward. I think a lot of what we do and a lot of our processes are based around headcount, right? More people can solve more problems, but sometimes it's just uh, notes on the back of a napkin basically to get everything done. And while there are tools out there that do order management and other aspects like that, creative management, programmatic buying, even direct sales management, what we're really lacking is something that translates how we do it in podcasting today into those processes and also education for how we can learn the core process of how these things are handled outside of our space. So we are desperately in need of translation layer products to either bring us up to speed with the rest of the industry or take our secret language and make it understandable to the rest of the world. My next takeaway is something that you've mentioned a few times throughout the history of this podcast, the belief that your podcast can only be available in RSS and the act of solely focusing on the download is not how podcasting grows. You've said this before. You said it again here. What do you mean by this and what should we focus on in addition to the RSS? Yeah, I think so many people are coming at us with ways for podcasting to be 
for creators. And, you know, remember, Sounds Profitable is built for medium businesses all the way to enterprise businesses. So you're really investing in this. This is a company. This is a career. This is uh, an investment. And so all of the new technologies, all the things that are really pushing us to grow as an industry, when we talk about YouTube, when we talk about Spotify not having an RSS feed, when we talk about every option that takes the concept of podcasting and spreads it out further, we're talking about podcasters becoming creators. Right. Sounds probable as um, a YouTube channel, not super trafficked, but it's there. We have social media. We have the newsletter. We have all of these different things. Our podcast is an important part of it, but we are spread across multiple different creator channels. And that's how we will grow and how we'll benefit. So anytime a podcaster can become a creator, they have multiple channels to optimize, to license their content, all of these amazing things. And that's why it's really critical to think about that because podcasting is going to shrink as podcasting in a silo. If we say podcasting is just this, it's an audio file that you listen with the screen off and it has to be from an RSS feed, that concept is gonna get chipped away at. We'll have tons of cool core things there, but we're gonna have long tail audio that might never have an RSS feed. Anchor by default doesn't populate one but that doesn't mean it's not podcasting. We're gonna have the opportunity for some publishers to explore siloed-like solutions with Spotify, with YouTube, with all of these other partners out there, but they can also live on the open RSS feed. Podcasting has so much potential, but the potential in it is realizing that by being an open format, we have to be malleable and open to going in every format. Break down what you mean by siloed. You mean that a publisher might only publish on Spotify or might only publish on Apple podcast subscriptions. Yeah. Or even the fact that you might have to dual publish, right? Like if you want to have subscriptions on Apple and Spotify right now, and you choose to do it their native way through Apple directly or anchor for Spotify, and you also have an RSS feed and you choose not to host your RSS feed on anchor. That means you have a core hosting platform distributing your podcast in Apple. You're manually uploading your show. You are also duplicating that work in anchor so that it is available as a subscription in Spotify. That's now three executions, that's three hosting platforms. You add in YouTube, even if you push something over to that, at some point you're gonna be able to augment on top of what you push over. You wanna push these clips into social media, that's great, that's more content sources. Those are more angles where the core data doesn't get back into your primary hosting platform. So yeah, I think that when I think about siloed, what I'm talking about is the channel. Spotify's data and Apple's data is never going to one-to-one -one match with a download. Let's not say never. I'm not optimistic that they're gonna start providing the metric that's core for us, but I do believe that it is in everybody's best interest to explore places that they can replicate their content. And to close it out, my last takeaway is from Connor. Connor recommends that publishers begin building out other content channels. This is what you were just talking about. I want to reiterate how much I believe in that as well. It's all about cultivating a brand, and that'll give you as a publisher a lot more options and possibility when it comes to how you interact with your consumers. If people are coming to your show because they love you, that is much stronger than them coming to your show based off of some keywords. You're going to find more people over time coming to you because of you rather than searching one term that you might have mentioned on your podcast once. And that is better for your consumer base. That is better for potential brands that might want to work with you. And ultimately, that'll go a long, long way. So I love that takeaway from Connor and wanted to reiterate here. Any thoughts on that, Brian? I mostly think that trying the other channels is valuable to do if you're a business. Dedicate a few months to it, dedicate headcount to it. 
and really give it a shot in the same way you had to at some point break into podcasting from another medium or start a new show or however you're going about it give it a serious shot in those other channels. Because like you said, it might be a great way to catch people into your net to pull you into what the core aspect of the show or the network is, um, but that's what it is. It's it's marketing, it's advertising by trying another channel, by seeing if you can pull people in. And not every channel works. Like we talked about before, TikTok, probably not gonna work for Sounds Profitable. It could, uh, we put in a little bit of effort, but not enough to really figure it out. So that's the, like, I, I agree with you fully. Like it is valuable to make your content stretch as far as you can, but it's also okay to say like, we tried it and it didn't work. Don't say never, just put it on the shelf for now. What do you think of the show? We want to hear from you. Please reach out if you have any questions or comments. We're on Twitter at Sounds Prof News, at Brian Barletta or at Ari This and That. If you want to send us an email, that's podcast at soundsprofitable.com. This show is recorded with Squadcast, the best place to record studio quality audio and video for content creators. I use Squadcast for all of our podcasts and for the product deep dives to get that awesome video quality that we love to share with all of you. So please go to squadcast.fm for a free seven day trial and let me know what you think because I'm positive you'll love it. Do you want more from Sounds Profitable? We have a bunch more podcasts that you can explore. You can find them by going to soundsprofitable.com. Thank you to Evo Terra and Ian Powell for their help on this episode.